Welcome to Because I Want to Know, the podcast where I interview guests about their crazy, unique occupations or life experiences. I'm your host, Leslie Fear. So let's get into it, shall we? Hey, everyone. Today, I'm joined with Jesse Goosen, and she is a former Jehovah's Witness, and she has been going through some of her trauma within the religious organization. I think she's got like 33 episodes on TikTok talking about what she went through, her experience, and now where she is today. So, Jesse, welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I am so like disturbed by your story yet very yeah I you know guys I had no idea the Jehovah's Witness to be honest with you I didn't know much about them um I know more about Mormon and there are some similarities as far as once you leave it's kind of you get you know shunned a little bit but this is like other level so I'm just gonna let Jesse kind of tell her story and I'm just gonna pop in when I when I want to interject and talk to you about other things so Jesse, tell me what happened. I know you weren't always a Jehovah's Witness. So how did you get into this? Yeah, so I was not born into it. When I was around 11 years old, my stepfather answered the door to witnesses. They're very infamous for their door-to-door preaching work. Yeah, That's how they found us. So my stepdad got really involved in it super quickly. Mm-hmm. And very soon after, my mom followed and then me and my little brother's. Okay, so you were 11 years old. So your mom and your stepdad, or actually your stepdad's probably the one that really got your mom into it. So this is something very new to you. So what happened after that? So immediately I started having a Bible study and I also got very sucked into it. I think these religious communities look really appealing to someone like me who I was very vulnerable. I had faced some abuse already in my life and this sense of family was so comforting and they were so nice at first like a lot of people are confused by my story because they always say oh but the Jehovah's Witnesses I know are so nice yeah that's that's kind of how they get you no and that's true because uh we've had Jehovah's Witness we have some property in the country and we've had them put their watchtower pamphlets on our gate and (laughs) and one time our gate was open and we had like a woman and her child and then I was like oh my gosh that really does happen because you were a kid your parents allowed you as a child to go up to strangers houses to witness for Jehovah. Tell me more about that, because that blew me away. <laughs> yeah, so I have a lot of experiences that I've, I've briefly mentioned on TikTok. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was 11 years old when I started going out preaching. Yeah. And I oftentimes would just be accompanied by another child, slightly older or slightly younger than me. And like, sure, there would be adults, you know, maybe a couple houses down from where we were at. Right. But still, like, we were approaching these houses alone as children. Oh and <laughs> yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't a great response. Most of the time, um, the amount of times I've had like dogs sicked on me, weapons pulled on me, oh people not letting me leave their home. It's yeah, yeah. it was not a safe position to put a child. Well, it's like, you know, if you want your child abducted, this is the way to do it, guys. I mean, seriously. (laughs) Like, I don't know how I'm still here. (laughs) I mean, wow. And I think they think that's okay. And your mom and dad were okay with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. My mom and stepdad were so encouraging of it. After I I was baptized, Mm. it was expected of me to kind of dedicate most of my time to the preaching work. So even though my mom and stepdad had a full-time job and they were working, I was expected to be out in the ministry multiple times a week. Wow. 
what a childhood you did not have. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that's, I'm so sad for you for that. But, um, and I know you've come a long way and we'll get there. So you're out there trying to spread the Jehovah Witness gospel. Um, So can you kind of explain what Jehovah Witnesses, what they believe a little bit so we can kind of get our heads around what you were trying to tell people? Sure, of course. Um, Contrary to popular belief, they do believe in Jesus. Um, Jehovah is who they believe God is. So they believe God's name is Jehovah, Jesus is his son, and that eventually this world will be restored to a paradise earth like Jehovah originally intended. Mm. Um, So that's what we were going door to door trying to, I mean, I really thought I was saving people's lives. I wholeheartedly believed in what I was preaching, and I thought with the information I had, the only loving thing to do was to try to share it with as many people as I could. And you know what, Jesse, as an 11, 12-year-old child, that's of course what you thought. Of course, that's what you thought. You know, that's what you were told. And you're not going to combat them and say, no, this isn't right or whatever. You did what your parents, your elders, your adult family members told you to do. So I can only imagine the 180 because you didn't have this before. So how confusing already. Yeah. Like I, my whole world was flipped upside down and yeah, it was just one of those that really got sucked into it. And Jehovah's Witnesses are very good at defending their faith. They have a scripture they can turn to for every question that you have. Like I was literally trained multiple times a week on how to talk to people like a salesperson. What? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's actually a school. It's called the Theocratic Ministry School. It was part of our meetings once a week, and we would literally go on stage and practice these scenarios of how we would speak to strangers at the door. Like, um, we would play them out. Wow. Well, okay, if that's not indoctrination, I don't know what is. So, (laughs) wow. Okay, how confusing and just scary, yet my parents are telling me to do this, so it has to be safe, yet people are shooting at you when you're walking up to their house. Right. You know, thinking about it now, it really fed into this narrative that the only safe place for me was with other Jehovah's Witnesses in the congregation because I was going to these strangers' doors. We called them worldly people, <laughs> and they were yeah. so mean and so aggressive, exactly like I'm told that all worldly people are like that. And so they're sending these kids out to these doors to be terrified and to retreat back to this little community that they think that's all they have. Well, and that's where the cult comes in. That's the cult part that don't associate with anyone else outside your religion. Don't talk to other kids that are your age because they don't believe the way you do. Our way is the only way. There's no other way to God. There's no other way to heaven, whatever it is. And so are you guys afraid of like the end of the world too? Aren't you guys kind of afraid of that as well? Yeah, the fear of Armageddon being right around the corner at any time was always a big fear because you wanted to make sure that you were pleasing God every single day and that you were basically striving for perfection every day because tomorrow might be Armageddon and you might not make it. So this this constant fear of being watched and not feeling like you're ever good enough. Um, yeah, it does something. It really does something to your brain. It was a lot of rewiring I had to do. Well, you go into it already defeated. So why wouldn't you rebel a little bit? And you did get into a little bit of trouble, correct? Yeah, yeah, I did. I was I was still me at the end of the day. Right. <laughs> 
And yeah, I did end up, you know, liking boys and having a boyfriend and having like sexual interaction with them. And I got into so much trouble for it. Um, Mm. The whole process of you committing a sin in their eyes is extremely humiliating. Yeah, because I remember you on several of your videos, they would take you, I think three elders would take you in their chambers or wherever they took you, and they would specifically ask you things about what you did. And that seems so pervy, right? Yeah, absolutely. Asking details that are not, they really have nothing to do with this story. They would ask me if it felt good. Um, it's so gross. No, no, I mean, <laughs> the they, asked they would you, ask me. Well, they would ask you if you, you know, had an orgasm. orgasm yes. If the other person had an orgasm, like they needed to know the details every single time. Where were we at? What were we wearing? What? Um, all of it. <laughs> and that's the part where I'm like, okay, why is that? What is what? What are you going to gain from that? Are you gauging her going, um, you're worse than we thought? Or are they getting a thrill out of it because they don't have those kinds of people that do things like that? So you're exciting to them. That's what I don't understand. Right. And I couldn't answer that for you. Um, at the time, I really thought it was because they're trying to gauge how, how repentive I was, uh-huh. how sorry I felt. But there's no reason that you need to be asking a 14-year-old girl if she was wet or not. Like, Uh, (laughs) I mean, really? What the heck? And, you know, obviously they know how it all works or they wouldn't have asked you the same questions. But to me, it just, I'm sorry. That's just, wow. I, uh, wow. So, okay. So what happens is you get in trouble. So tell me from that point on, because I think for a long time, what, for about a year or two, you were kind of shunned or you couldn't even talk to your family members or anyone else in the congregation. All you could do was go to church and no one would talk to you at all. Correct? What? Yeah. So that, that is called disfellowshipping. So when you commit a serious sin, in my case, it was premarital sex. You meet with these three elders and they decide if they're going to reprove you or disfellowship you. They decided in my case that they were going to disfellowship me. Of course, I was a minor. I was 14. So I was still living at home with my mom and stepdad. And so they kept me in my room for about a year um, while I was disfellowshipped until the elders decided that it had been enough time to accept me back into the congregation. Okay, first of all, I have a 22-year-old daughter. And when she was 14, or my son, I have a 25-year-old son, or my son at that age, I could not imagine not having any conversation and wasting that entire year with my child. And not having any relations and saying, hey, how was your day? What was the favorite thing that you did today? I, I always ask my kids that, you know, here's a hug. Mom, I'm, I'm having problems with school or I'm having problems with this boy or I'm having problems with this girl. Whatever it was, we could talk it out. And that was such a formative time of your life. How scary and confusing, but yet indoctrinating you more to want it more. Yeah, exactly. I mean, ultimately, they're emotionally blackmailing me to where I had no choice but to go back or I had nothing like I I wasn't even allowed to go to school. I was homeschooled. I went I went to meetings at the Kingdom Hall. I went to the library and that was it. And yeah, so my my only options were continue to be stuck in my room until I turn 18 and I can leave the house or come back to it. And at that point, I was so indoctrinated that I thought I was getting what I deserved. Being locked in my room for a year was not even half of what I deserved in my eyes. Like I felt so little. I can imagine. And you know what, during this time, guys, there was another church member 
that kind of befriended her and communicated with her. And he had access to her. Her parents were fine with it. So he would come to her and come to her room, right? Yeah, he was um, much older. I was, like I said, 14, and he was 24. And um, he was a, what they call the ministerial servant in the congregation. So there's elders, which are like top dog. And then you have ministerial servant, which is a step below. And so he was seen as, you know, he's got kind of this good position in the congregation. He had a good reputation. And so he quickly took an interest to me, although I was disfellowshipped. He was able to talk his way into kind of becoming part of the family in a weird way. Um, My mom and stepdad trusted him completely. And I think they were even flattered that a ministerial servant was taking interest in me, especially because I wasn't a virgin anymore. So it was, I I even felt honored, like, wow, I thought nobody was ever going to love me. And here's this guy and a much older guy. I thought I'm so mature too. Well, of course you did. Yeah, of course you did. So, and this guy, you guys manipulated her. And like I said, she's 14 years old. You know, at 25, I think I was still kind of an idiot. I mean, I'm kidding, but you know what I'm saying? I mean, you still are, you still feel like a kid sometimes when you're even 25. So this guy, even though he was 24 and, and she was, four, she, he was 10 years older than her. And guess what? He knew what he had. And it, listen, let me preface one thing. I am not here to dis religion. I am not here to do that. But some of these very high demand religions I spread awareness on. I I know this is not necessarily something that happens to everyone. So I want to make that clear. But I also think this happens more often than maybe we are told. And if I can spread the awareness to where if you want to get into any kind of religion like this, that's very high demand, please, please, please do your homework. It's going to affect you, your children, and every family member that you are associated with. So I'm sorry, we're going to keep going. So he found his way into your family. Tell me what happened after that, Jesse. So yeah, eventually after that year, I was reinstated is what it was called. So now everyone's allowed to talk to me. Things are (laughs) good as new, right? Yeah. And he continued his process of grooming me, essentially. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I was allowed to go back out in the ministry. And he oftentimes was in charge of putting car groups together. So who was going to be in whose car to go out Mm. preaching together? Mm, Um, Of course, he put me in his car group most Mm -hmm. days. And yeah, he would often sexually abuse me in the car when um, the other two people were at a door. Or he would take me to homes that he knew were vacant and just abuse me right at the door. And here's what I really hated that happened to you, Jesse. There was no one looking out for you. There was no hero in this story for you. There's still no hero in this story for you. No one was looking out for little Jesse, for that little girl who needed someone to just say, this is wrong. I'm going to take care of this. And this man who is molesting a, a minor needs to be in jail. And her parents They knew, I don't know if they knew what was going on with him, but they knew he was way older and I can't believe they didn't even question it. So I'm so sorry you had no one to save you. I'm so sorry about that. Right. And I appreciate you saying that. And I think that's why it's so important to share my story because again, we go back to like from the outside, like Jehovah's Witnesses, they've seen 
so kind, but they have so many policies in place that protect abusers that make Mm. little girls like me feel like they cannot speak up or they're going to be disfellowshipped and kept in their room for a year or they're not going to be believed or, you know, whatever it is. Because, no, I absolutely did not feel like I could tell anyone about it. Of course not. For what? For them to blame me. Oh, and, and they did you know, me get stuck in my room again. Yeah, no, and they did. You paid a very high price for years because this didn't go away. This kept happening as far as them shunning you. Yeah, yeah, it did. Yeah, eventually I kind of cut things off with this older man that was grooming me. I think I eventually got it knocked in my head a little bit that this was weird and creepy and mm-hmm. inappropriate. Mm-hmm. And um, so I cut things off with him. And then I met another brother in the congregation. We ended up getting married at 17. I was 17. (laughs) And that was an extremely abusive situation that I had no one to turn to. Every time I tried to go to the elders about any of it, it was I made a vow to my husband and to God to be with this man forever. And unless he committed adultery, cheating on me, I had no right to leave him. Yeah. So eventually it was after being with him for six years, suffering a lot, having two kids and now it not being about me anymore. I have these two babies that are looking up to me and are watching how to be loved and how it's okay to love. And I knew I had to get them out of there. Um, So I did. I left my husband and that's when the elders decided to disfellowship me again (laughs) because of leaving him. Well, you know what? And of course you got married at 17. Of course you did. I mean, mean, seriously, Jesse, there was no adult supervision. No one took care of you. No one taught you how to be in the world, especially in this religion. You were thrown into it because your parents decided to become Jehovah Witnesses. And uh, I'm just so sad for you for that. I'm happy you have your children. I'm sure they're wonderful. But I hope, and I don't know about this, and this is the first time I've asked you this. I hope, honestly, I am not religious at all. I am very spiritual, and I absolutely believe in source, God, whatever you want to call it. I do believe Jesus walked the earth. I think he was an absolutely wonderful, healing, lovely, amazing man who just tried to love everyone. I don't care who you were who you were affiliated with, if you were a bum, if you were rich, if you were a prostitute, if you were a different color, it didn't matter to him. And that's the way it should be. And that's the way they say in the Bible, love everyone. And that's what he did. And he got ridiculed for it. Um, Because some of these religions, you guys, I'm just flabbergasted by what they get away with. And I think this kind of stuff, it goes on and just the fundamentalist Christian church. It goes on in other churches, guys. And I'm not saying it's always going on. I think there are some beautiful people in certain religions. I don't want to take that away. But this is stuff that I have to bring to everyone's attention, if nothing else, just to say, guys, think twice before you just start some religion and you include your entire family. And then you shun your family when they do something they're not supposed to do. And you take yourself out of the equation? What? Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's with these high power religions or high demand religions that they feel like they can just put these really restrictive rules in place, but they've got their members. So, I mean, it really is like mind control. Like they have them so convinced that this is what they have to do. And like, even with that man who was abusing me, if I had come forward 
and told the elders this is what's been happening, they would not have done anything about it because they have what's called a two-witness rule. So if someone alleges abuse, they will not take any action unless there was another witness to the same incident of abuse. What? So they're protecting, they've been protecting abusers. An abuser does not abuse in front of someone else to be a witness to it. That doesn't make sense. So they have these rules, these policies in place that is, it's created a breeding ground, a feeding ground for predators. I don't understand how your parents don't understand this. I don't get it. Yeah. They they have a, a scripture to turn to for everything that they believe. But that's the thing, like anyone can take a scripture and apply it to what they believe, right? Right. And you know, <laughs> there's, they, don't, yeah. they don't see it like that. And there's got to be an element. And, and I don't want to label your parents by, by any means, please. I, I'm not trying to do that. But there's got to be some kind of disconnection there for them to be okay with shunning their daughter for a year um, or letting you just not be in their lives just because the religion told them to. What happened to a mother and child or a father and child relationship? I don't understand how religion can totally take over your life and make you so insane with it that you don't even have good connections with your own children. Yeah. Like as a mom, I can't, I can't see it. Like I couldn't, there's not a reason in the world that I would stop talking to my child. Of course not. And yeah. And I knew it was something I had to get them out of. And yeah, so when I was disfellowshipped the second time after leaving my husband, I got with my now husband, who's not a Jehovah's Witness or not a part of that anymore. But my mom didn't talk to me for two years while I was disfellowshipped. Again, um, she didn't go to my wedding. I had a brain tumor. She didn't even speak to me during my treatment. Like there was so much that happened and that she missed because a group of men told her that she can't talk to me. (laughs) And, you know, and that's to me, that's almost more heartbreaking than anything else you've told me as well, except for the sexual abuse. I hate that for you. But for you to not be able to turn to your own parent and have that, that holding hand or hug from your mom and just say, baby, I'm going to make sure it's okay for you, just like you do for your own kids. And that's where I think this religion, if everybody takes this religion the way your parents took it, to be this legalistic about things, this is a, yeah. this is scarier than some of the other religious people that I've interviewed, to be honest with you. Uh, and I agree with you as far as like the saddest part being yes. the disconnect with my mom. Like I, yeah, of course, sexual abuse is terrible, right. but sadly enough it happens and it happens in every religion and every scenario and you can possibly be sexually abused but not having a relationship with my mom is so unnatural and for so long has taken a lot of work on my part to not feel like there's something wrong with me even my own mom could love me like there must be something wrong absolutely and guys um, to my listeners Jesse recently tried to be reinstated and she was just so she could have a relationship with her mother who was not there for her. If that tells you how her mind was trying so desperately to continue having a relationship with her mother. And then before we started recording, she says, you know what, I finally just I I can't do it. So tell me more about that, Jesse. 
Yeah. So I been reinstated. It had been like a year. So this is this summer that this just happened with my mother. But I came to her and I I laid it all out for her. I was very honest. I was like, I'm very angry at you for what you subjected me to for what I wasn't protected from. And I'm angry and I need you to acknowledge that because I can't I can't move forward with our relationship. You thinking that this has all been okay. And I told her like some of the details with the abuse when I was 14 from that man. And um, she flat out looked at me and said, you're disgusting for making up such lies. And um, I stood up and I said, that's that's all I have to say to you then. And I said, you're a bad mom. And I haven't talked to her since. Well, you know, and I hate to say good for you, but honestly, um, because I hate to say anything about a mother and child relationship, but honestly, good for you. Yeah. Uh, Good for you. It feels like a a load lifted off my shoulders, honestly, not having to pretend to be someone just so she could continue loving me. Um, And that's not how a relationship with your mom should feel. You, You know, you should feel like devastated to not get to talk to her, but... It's been nothing but relief. I mean, of course, I still have my moments because that's still my mom. But it's nice to live my most authentic version of myself. Absolutely. And you know, you were abandoned. You were abandoned. Let's just call it what it was. Yeah. You know, I mean, she totally emotionally abandoned you, physically abandoned you because she was okay with them shunning you and you being locked in your room for a whole year without talking to you. And you had to do everything I think you said online. You literally yeah. didn't talk to your parents in their your own house. I, yeah. I don't understand. I'm just blown away <laughs> by the, yeah. the by the just ridiculousness of this and the just to me that is such emotional abuse on a whole other level because it's your parent. It would be bad enough if it was a friend or, you know, just maybe a, a distant family member, but your own mom, I, and as a mom and as you since you're a mom too, I can't imagine what you went through. Yeah, it took um, some rewiring of the brain for sure. Yeah. Because like, even I don't know, and part of me is almost grateful that I was in the headspace I was while it was happening because I really did think I deserved it. This was my punishment. I was going to take it and grow from it. I didn't see really how messed up it was until until now in my adulthood um, and now having children. So, yeah, it's damaged me more in my adulthood the more I realize how unnatural and really just crazy it all was it was and I was gonna ask you when you when you were doing those videos on TikTok you have like 33 episodes of what happened you know from the beginning how did that make you feel did that give you a little power did that give you something to go and did it make you go oh wow I forgot about this or I wow this was even more messed up than I thought I mean you know yeah totally it was it was really cathartic and when I first started it I was so nervous I remember shaking that first video like even afterwards and thinking no one's gonna watch this I'm gonna get nothing but hate but to see how well received it was and to get the messages that I still to this day get from other ex Jehovah's Witnesses or those who are still currently stuck in it that say like wow you told my story word for word like I thought I was the only one like I it's amazing to see someone talk out about this so yeah it it became like really 
essential to my healing process. And I did start to remember more and more stuff. And I was like, wow, <laughs> it goes yeah. so deep, guys. <laughs> no, it, it does. And guys, I mean, and you know, we could go into all of it, but there's, there's so much information and I'm going to put like her information on a show notes. So if you guys want to hear more about what happened to, to Jesse when she was younger and, and even in her later teens and how she handled her marriage and her beautiful children, at least she has that. And she now has, you have full custody of them, correct? Um, I actually, it is shared custody. Oh, it is shared. Still, okay. But okay. Yeah, we're just in such a happier place oh, now. I'm so glad. I didn't know if your ex-husband was still in the religion or not. He is, mm-hmm. um, as far as I know, but I still do whatever I want to with the kids. Because, oh, another thing I forgot to mention, Jehovah's yeah. Witnesses don't celebrate birthdays or holidays. I know. I, I forgot to ask you that. What in the world? What? <laughs> I know. So uh, that's something that's very important to instill in my kids, that sense of celebration and tradition and, yeah, just everything I missed. Yes, yes. Because up until you were 11 years old, you had birthdays. You probably celebrated Christmas. And now all of a sudden you can't do that. How confusing. Of course you did all the wrong things you were supposed to do before you figured it out. I mean, of course you did that. Now, I I remember in one of the videos you said, this religion, Jehovah Witness, is like, there's a similarity to this, to a narcissistic abuse situation, right? Yeah, absolutely. Having been in a narcissistic and abusive relationship before, and also being in this religion, I totally saw the similarities where they tried to alienate you from people. Um, That's what they do by telling you that worldly people are bad, that you can only associate with other Jehovah's Witnesses by making you go out preaching and, you know, put in these very dangerous situations. So again, that's reinforced that I'm only safe with these people. Right. And then they gaslight you. I mean, and everything that you bring up a question, it was like, no, that's you just not having enough faith or Mm -hmm. that's you doubting God. And so now you don't trust yourself. They instill that, that doubt in you that there's no, you can't even like make a decision for yourself almost like you need to refer to the Bible or to your elders for everything. (laughs) Yeah. And then you have to tell them details of everything you've done, which is so just so pervy to me. Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason for that. Absolutely not. And yeah, when you were saying that in your videos, I was just like, oh my gosh, she's 14 years old. And you know, we've all experienced um, certain things when we were in our teens, maybe not exactly to your extent, and maybe more, I don't even know. But to have to explain it to three old dudes, seriously? (laughs) Yeah, so humiliating. Like they really do want to strip you bare and make you feel as little as possible. And They do that. I mean, every single other woman that was a Jehovah's Witness that got in trouble like I did has the same story, being put in a back room with three old men and having to spill every single detail. Everyone has the same story. Wow. See, okay. See, I'm sorry. There's a similarity there, and I think they're enjoying it more than they... They're acting like it's just so bad, and they're probably literally enjoying it. And guys... I do know this about the Jehovah Witness because because of Jesse, they cannot have tattoos. They discourage college for women. I, I'm probably not even blood yeah. transfusions. Yeah, no blood transfusions. Um, what? <laughs> we cannot we cannot vote. Um, we don't what? go to war. Women don't go to war, correct? Is that no? Not no Jehovah's Witnesses. Oh, none of them can vote. None of them are part of the military. No blood transfusions. College is discouraged for men and women, actually. 
Um, okay. You can't even say bless you when someone sneezes. What? Um, you can't. You can't do cheers with your drink. <laughs> I okay. Let me ask you this: Do you know who started the Jehovah Witness religion? It was a man. <laughs> Yeah, it was a man and his last name was Russell. Mm -hmm. And I do think he genuinely was trying to learn what the Bible was trying to teach and, you know, decipher its message like everyone else did. And then I think along the line, it just got really lost. Um, The successors after him just became more and more tyrannical and instilling all of these rules in a place like Jehovah's Witnesses used to celebrate holidays. And then they decided that was bad. (laughs) Because it's not about you, right? It's like you can't have any self-centered. It's all about God and it's all about... That's why your parents pretty much abandoned you because it wasn't about even the kids. It's about us worshiping God or Jehovah or God or whatever and screw everybody else, you know? Yeah, it's all about putting Jehovah first in anything and everything that happens in your life is seen as some kind of a test from Satan. So like every which way you turn, there's a test from Satan. There's your chance to prove your love for God. Mm. And sometimes Satan's going to use your children. <laughs> I I just don't even understand. I And you know what? I tell you, I am so happy because I don't know, had you not had, and listen to me when I say this, had some of the things that had happened to you not happened to you, I don't know if you would have known to not get out. Yeah, absolutely. Like I think... I think it all, all the chips had to fall as they did for me to be awakened the way that I was. Cause yeah, there's so many things that could have happened that I would still be stuck in that to this day. No, I know. And you know what? I think it's beautiful to watch your videos because you're just so lovely, but you're free and you're fun and you're young and you get to express yourself. And I like that you just are you. And that's really what TikTok's all about. And I think that's why everybody thinks a lot of you because you just have fun and you talk about things and you're really open and you're candid and you weren't taught that. You were taught to keep everything a secret. So this has to be so therapeutic for you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's finally not my shame anymore. It's I've talked about it and I'm able to step back and be like, that was not my fault. This isn't mine to carry anymore. It's not. And I know you're in therapy, correct? Yes. Okay. Good for you. I think people need therapy, even normal people that have gone through normal things. So the fact that you're getting therapy, if nothing else, just to remind you that you are worthy of everybody's love and everyone's acceptance and everyone's forgiveness, or at least for yourself. And like I said, I'm just so sorry this happened to you, but I'm glad that you got out and you understand and you have your husband, you guys, their videos are so sweet together. They just love each other so much. And I love to watch them just grow together and just to have fun together. And they're young and they're going to do fun things. So like I said, I'll put all of her information in my show notes. And Jesse, would you like to say anything else? You know, a message to any of my listeners? Um, I would like to say if you know anyone that is starting to study with Jehovah's Witnesses or is currently in it, it does take time. It Usually they need to realize it on their own, mm-hmm. but it is important to be aware of the dangers. This is not just really nice people worshiping God. Like this is, this is really dangerous, especially for the children and, and women. Right. It's all about control. And unfortunately, she's been the victim of that. But Jesse, I, I can't thank you enough for just coming on my podcast and just being so lovely about just sharing your story. But I'm so proud of the woman you've become. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you. 
Well, I love providing because I want to know at no cost. So if you like what you heard, please leave me a five-star review or you can just buy me a cup of coffee. It's kind of like a Patreon, but you don't have a monthly subscription and you can give whatever you feel led to give. I am a one-woman show and I do all of my scheduling and my interviewing and my editing. So just know your support is so greatly appreciated. And one more thing, I am a paranormal romance novelist and you can find all of my books on Amazon. Just look up my name. I'm very easy to find. Thank you guys again and I will see you next week.